How you feeling? Are you ready for a new year? Yeah. I mean, the Texans lost and the Cowboys won. The world feels upside down. But God is still on his throne. Hey, every new year gives us a new opportunity to make goals and to try to reach them. And God always puts a mountain in front of us for us to climb to make it to the next level so that we can get unstuck from the things that hold us back. I mean, it's really good to set goals. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. And so it's a good thing to set goals. The problem is not in having a life-changing goal. The problem is how we go about trying to reach that goal that causes so much frustration and usually ends in failure. Usually, we try to reach our goals sort of like a mountain climber who's weighed down with too much gear, and he's got all this equipment that's totally unnecessary to making it to the top of the mountain, and it weighs him down so that he can't get to the top, and he doesn't have the key tools that he really needs to make it to the top. See, we carry around what I call a backpack of urgency. It's filled with all the things that seem really urgent but aren't very important in getting us to the next level. And if you don't know what's important in your life, everyone else will be glad to decide it for you. Have you noticed that? And they will fill your backpack of urgency to overflowing. And they will overcrowd your schedule. And your life will be weighted down with stress and you'll be knocked off God's purpose for your life. And you'll find with a backpack of urgency that the sands of time just rush through your hands. And time is your life. You waste your time, you waste your life. And you can be really busy, but you're wasting your time because you're not doing the few things that it takes to get to the next level. And so you're carrying around this backpack of urgency and you're trying to make it to the top of the mountain to reach that goal and you wonder why it's so hard. Things are so heavy. And then we also carry around what I call a backpack of regrets. And it's filled with the rocks of regret. And those rocks are heavy. That's a real rock, isn't it? Aren't you glad I didn't throw it out there like I did in the last service? So uh, these, these rocks, though, are real because they come from our mistakes and failures and sins and from the wounds and the hurts of others. They come from our disappointments that we pick up along the way. And that backpack of regret gets really heavy. And so we're carrying all this unnecessary weight, trying to make it to the top of the mountain to reach that life-changing goal. But the slope is steep and rocky and treacherous. And with all the weight, it feels like the ground is constantly shifting underneath us. And we look up and we see that we're further away from the top than when we first started. We're losing ground. But we think if we just try harder, if somehow we can make it to the next level, then somehow the burdens will all go away and everything will be perfect. But then we notice as we go along the way that that backpack of urgency is heavier because it keeps getting filled with more and more demands that are being placed in it. And with every step, there's missteps. And so we have more failures and mistakes and more rocks of regret go into our backpack of regret, and it gets heavier. And it just seems like we can never make it to the top. 
You see, the secret to reaching a life-changing goal is to simplify, to let go of everything that you don't need so you can hold on to the only things that you really do need. That's why we're starting a new life-changing series this weekend that I'm calling Simplify and Soar. It's how to unclutter your life so that you can do the things that really provide effectiveness and purpose and power in your life. For there's power in the simple. God always takes the complex and he makes it simple. We always take the simple and we complicate it and make a mess out of it. But there's power in the simple. I want us to look at a guy in the Old Testament today who really knew the power in the simple. For he learned to let go of everything he didn't need so he could hold on to the only thing that he did need to make it to the top of the mountain. His name was Caleb. And this guy was amazing in faith. He learned to let go of all the things he didn't need so he could hold on to the thing that he did need. And so he entered the promised land and he took the mountain and he went to the top that God had given him and he claimed his destiny. Now you have to understand that 45 years before, Caleb was one of the 12 spies that Moses had appointed to go into the promised land and check out the promised land, come back and give a report. And so he and Joshua came back and gave this report that said, hey, it's an amazing land flowing with milk and honey and it's our destiny. We can take it. For you see, Caleb and Joshua had a mountain takers mentality. Unfortunately, they were outvoted 10 to two. The other 10 spies, they had a desert dwelling mentality and they came back and said, yes, it's true. It's an amazing land flowing with milk and honey, but the Anakite tribe is in the land and the Anakites were these huge warriors and they had great walled cities and they said, there's no way that we can take this mountain. We just can't do it. And so because of their sin of unbelief, God sent them back out into the desert and they had to wander around 45 years until all the complainers and desert dwellers died out. And now we see they're back. And this time, there are only two of those original Israelites left, the two with the mountain-taking mentality. And Joshua is leading a whole new generation of Israelites into the promised land. And 45 years later, we see Caleb again on the doorstep of his destiny, getting ready to claim his mountain that God has given him. So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 14, and would you stand in honor of God's word? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses. Woodland Church, Atascacita, you guys are amazing, and uh, I am just so grateful for what God is doing uh, through our church in Atascacita, and I'm also grateful for what God's doing through our North Point campus. God is really working in a powerful way and we say it's from the woodlands to the world. So if you're worshiping with us through our broadcast or online ministry around the world, we're one church built on the word of God. And I believe with all my heart, God has a word, a personal word for you today, a personal and powerful word from his word because he wants you this year to take that mountain that he's placed in your life. Well, follow along with me as we see what Caleb did. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him 
as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the desert. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Dear God, I thank you that you have an inheritance, a destiny for each and every one of us. And I know that you want to speak to our hearts because many times, Lord, we get distracted from our destiny. The stresses and problems of life push us off purpose. Uh, Lord, all the weights of our failures and mistakes keep us from making it to the top of the mountain. And Lord, we make it so complicated. So I pray that you would just, in our hearts and minds, simplify it so we can see it. And I know simple is not simplistic, Lord. There's such power in it. So show us your simple but profound and powerful truth today. And I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would just put in our hearts Lord, that hope, reignite hope that this will be the year that we make it to the top of the mountain. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to underline that powerful phrase where Caleb says, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Caleb said, hey, it's been 45 years since God promised me that mountain, and it is now time for me to take that mountain that God has already given me. He was saying, there's been a mountain for 45 years with my name on it, that God wrote my name on, and I'm gonna claim what is mine, and I'm gonna step into my destiny. It's time. And I believe with all my heart, there's a mountain with your name on it, a mountain made just for you. It's a mountain that God has given you, and I believe that this is the year that you take it, that you stop wandering in the desert and you step into your destiny. So what is the mountain that you've never been able to summit. And maybe there are times you've been able to get halfway up the mountain and you almost see the top. Maybe it's getting to a new level in your character or a new level in your marriage or a new level in your career. Or maybe it's trying to break free from a destructive habit that you've never been able to break free from. Or, or maybe it's that you're trying to reach that dream that God has placed on your heart and you get halfway up the mountain and, and you can almost see the top but it's halfway up the mountain where we feel like giving up. You know, I've climbed several mountains, really hills that were called mountains. I'm not talking about 14,000 foot mountains in the Rockies. I'm just talking about, you know, small mountains that are really just hills, but you know, sometimes on vacation with the family, you know, we'll hike up a mountain. And I have to say that it's always at the halfway point where I realize, wow, we've been walking a long time. We're only halfway. And I look up and think, looks like the rest of the way is uphill too for some reason. I, and that's when I stop and wonder, is it worth it? I mean, the view's pretty good right here. 
I think we've kind of got all we're going to get out of this one. And, and, and you're not doing it seriously. You're just doing it for fun and relaxation. And then you realize you're halfway up the mountain and, and you just wonder, is this really worth it? It's going to be hard to make it to the top. And that's the way it is in life. It's halfway toward your goal where you feel like giving up. It's at the halfway point in getting that degree where you wonder, is it worth it? Am I really going to be able to do this? It's at the halfway point in marriage counseling where you feel like giving up because all you can see is a mountain of misunderstanding, a mountain of mistrust, a mountain of hurt and betrayal, and you just can't see that divine destiny of hope and healing that God has for you at the top of the mountain. Or maybe it's halfway through getting out of debt and you start to go back to some of the old destructive habits that got you there in the first place. It's always halfway up the mountain where we feel like giving up, but I believe with all my heart this can be the year where you make it to the top of that mountain that you've never been able to summit, that with God's power you make it to the top of the mountain, but you're going to have to do exactly what Caleb did or you're not going to make it. What did Caleb do? First, he let go, and this is the most important thing. you got to let go of all the things that are keeping you from holding on to the few things that you're going to need. you got to simplify. What do you have to let go of? First, Caleb let go of disappointment. And an avalanche of disappointment can bury our destiny if we let it. Caleb experienced tremendous disappointment. I mean, just think about it. He had set foot in the promised land. I mean, 45 years before, he had set foot in the promised land. He had seen the beauty of the rolling hills. He had tasted the perfect grapes and the sweet honey. He had climbed with joy on that sacred mountain for a few brief but brilliant moments, only to be pulled away, have to wander in the desert for 45 years at no fault of his own. Because of some of these desert dwellers and complainers. In fact, look what it says in verse 8. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. So 10 of the spies had this desert-dwelling mentality. They complained, and it was a sin of unbelief. And because of their sin of unbelief, Caleb had to wait 45 years before claiming his destiny. And sometimes the sins of others delay us from our destiny. Maybe you've been betrayed by a spouse. And, and right now, you should be on the mountaintop of marriage with closeness and intimacy but instead you find yourself in the desert of divorce and it wasn't your choice. Or maybe you've had a business partner who's cheated you and you should be at the top of the mountain financially right now, but you find yourself in a desert of debt and it wasn't your fault. There are times we find ourselves in the valley instead of the mountaintop because of the sins and the hurts and the wounds of others. And if you're in the desert today, no choice of your own, no fault of your own, you now have a choice. And listen, this is real important because you didn't choose to be in the desert. It wasn't your choice, but now you got a really important choice. And the choice you make now will determine whether or not you ever make it to the mountaintop, whether or not you ever step into your destiny. You have a choice to hold on to that hurt and turn it to bitterness that keeps you stuck in the desert, or you can let go of the hurt. You can choose to forgive for your own sake and because Christ commands it so that you won't get stuck in the desert. Hey, if anyone had a right to be bitter, it was Caleb. He had been bitterly hurt by those who kept him in the desert. 
It wasn't his fault. He was a man of faith, but he still had to go in the desert for 45 years because of the sins of these others. And every day for 45 years, he could have played it over and over again in his mind while he was walking through that dry desert. But he doesn't. He lets go. He lets go of the disappointment. He lets go of the hurt because he knows he doesn't want bitterness to block the blessing. Booker T. Washington said, I will permit no man to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. You see, you still have a choice. When someone hurts you, you've got a choice. You can hold on to that hurt and let them keep hurting you, or you can choose to forgive by God's power, whether you feel it or not. You never feel like forgiving, and you choose to forgive so God can fill you up with his peace. Caleb chose to let go of bitterness. He had to wait 45 years before he entered the promised land. It's those delays that provide destiny lessons for us. God allows us to go through the deserts of life. It's part of God's plan. God takes us through the valleys so he can prepare us for the mountaintop. And God does some of his greatest work in the deserts of life. In the desert of delay where God prepares our character to match our calling, he's preparing us for the mountaintop. And so if you're in the desert right now, God wants to take you from the desert into your destiny. It's in the valley that God can prepare us for the mountaintop, and it's those delays that God uses to direct us into our destiny, and those delays never destroy God's purpose for our life, and some of you are in the waiting room of life. You're waiting on God, and it feels like God is not gonna come through. I'm sure there are many days where Caleb wondered, God, it feels like we're going the wrong direction. Am I ever gonna see my mountain again? But you know in your heart, and you know from God's promise, you have to let go of that disappointment, but never let go of the dream. Caleb let go of his disappointment, but he never let go of the dream. And disappointment, if you just change the first letter from a D to an H, it goes from disappointment to his appointment. And many times those disappointments that we experience, that others bring into our lives, are really his appointment to guide us into our destiny. And without the desert, we would have never been redirected to the mountaintop. So I've gotta let go of disappointment, and then I've gotta let go of distractions. I've gotta cut out all that stuff that keeps me from the mountaintop and focus on first things first. That's what Caleb did in the second part of verse eight. He says, I, however, followed my God wholeheartedly. Caleb said, I followed God with my whole heart, not half my heart, not one-eighth of my heart, but I gave him my whole heart. I took those steps of faith and followed him wholeheartedly. Our problem is we make a 100 different half-hearted commitments to all these things that don't really matter instead of making the one commitment that makes the most difference. That is to commit all of our heart to God. The greatest resolution you can have this year is to follow God with all your heart. Everything else then starts to fall in place. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So you put God first and everything else starts to fall in place. When your life gets so complicated and your schedule gets so overcrowded and you just don't know where to start to get it back together again and your to-do list is a mile long, what you need to do is do the only thing that really matters, put God first. You put God first, then everything else starts to fall in place. Do first things first. You put God first, 
put God first. Give him the first hour of your week like you're doing right now so that he can bless your week and redirect you and you recalibrate each and every week. You, you give God the first part of your day, 10, 15 minutes to spend time with him before you go off into your day. You give God first place in your finances. You give him first consideration in all your decisions by praying about the decisions you make. Put God first and all these other things start falling into place. When my life gets complicated and overcrowded, my values get clouded, my calendar gets crowded, I have to come back to the one thing. So I'm gonna spend time with God today. 10, 15 minutes before I go off in my day. I'm gonna read his word, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna put God first because I, I, I can't figure anything else out. Everything is so jumbled and my priorities are all out of line and I'm overwhelmed and overloaded. I gotta do the first thing first and then everything else starts to fall in place. I wanna encourage you tomorrow morning to put God first. If you don't need anything else, put God first. And we're, we've got a new devotional that's gonna be on the websites, all the Woodland Church websites, God first devotional. It's a God first devotional. And would you make a commitment every day for the rest of January to put God first? 10 minutes, 20 minutes. What we're gonna do on the God first devotional, we're gonna have a promise, a scriptural promise that you can claim that you'll read and then a devotional about that promise to help guide you to put it into your life. We're gonna have a promise and a prayer and it'll take you 10 minutes. But if you, you decide whether I feel like it or not, I'm gonna put God first. Some days you'll feel like it, some days you won't, but you do it anyway as a habit, an act of will. And at the end of the month, it will be a habit. And you become like the people you hang around so you spend some time with God, it'll change you completely. There's nothing you can do that could be more important than that. And we wanna give you the tools to do that. Our God First devotional starting tomorrow morning. I think it goes up at 5 a.m. So um, if you get up before that, you just gotta do, do it when you get home, I guess. I mean, if, you're, if you leave for work before that, as, as some of you do. And so you just, or just be a day behind. But, but I can tell you, if you make a habit of doing that, putting God first, your priorities, everything else is gonna start to fall in place. You'll see everything with clarity. But you gotta put God first. Now, some of you are gonna miss a day or two. Yeah, you're gonna miss a day or two. So what do you do if, if you miss a day? You just say, you know what, I'm terrible at this stuff. It's halfway up the mountain and now I didn't do it every day like Pastor Kerry told me to do, so I give up. No, this is spiritual food, so you, you do it just like, you know, if you missed a meal, what do you do if you miss a meal? You work through lunch, you go, oh, I'm terrible at eating. I'm never gonna eat again. I'm horrible at that, I failed. No, you just eat twice as much the next meal. You eat five meals the next day. So you don't beat yourself up about it. You say, God, forgive me for missing out on the most important thing, but I'm back. He loves you. He's ready to meet with you. Put God first. When life gets so complicated, we lose our focus and we lose our effectiveness. Jesus said, you gotta simplify to succeed. The more you narrow your focus, the more you broaden your life. The problem is we think that if we multitask, and the more we multitask, and the more effective we'll be, but study after study has now shown that people who multitask aren't very effective because they do so many things that are irrelevant. You gotta focus. Jesus said the simple is powerful. The more you narrow your focus, the more you broaden your life, and you experience God's power. For you see the religious leaders in Christ's day, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there's a lot of religious leaders and groups in Jesus' day, and they had added to the Ten Commandments 600 more commandments. 
that they had gleaned from the Old Testament, and they put them all together and said, all these commandments are so important, you got to keep all these commandments, and if you don't keep these commandments, then God's not going to love you, and they didn't keep the commandments. They just had them all memorized and act like they did, and they just weighed everyone. They made it so complicated, they just weighed everyone down, and that's what religion does, and then Jesus comes along, and someone asks him, hey, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, I can sum up all the commandments by saying, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Boom. He says, I'll just simplify it all. Everything is in that. He didn't do away with the 10 commandments. He said, sum it all up in that. Love God and love people. Why did you make it so complicated? Why did you burden everybody so much? Just love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you need to simplify this year and get back to the basics, and God will take care of all the details. He will take the complex life you're living and bring a simple but profound power to it. So that's what we have to let go of, distractions, disappointment. We've got to hold on to the things that are most important. What is that? God's promises. Caleb remembered the promise God gave him through Moses, and he held on to it. In verse 9, he says, so on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children's forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Underline that phrase, just as the Lord promised. This is important because Caleb didn't just make up his mountain. He didn't just say, hey, that's the mountain that I'm gonna claim for my destiny. God told him it was his mountain. God gave him that promise. He found that out by spending time with God. He found that out by following God with all his heart. God told him that was his mountain. I say this because a lot of people just make up the mountain they're gonna go after. They just decide what goals that they need to go after. They just decide what path they're gonna take by what seems best, what feels best, what looks best. Yeah, I think I'll do that. And they may make it to the top of the mountain only to find it's the wrong mountain. And there's a deep emptiness when you make it to the top of a mountain and you find it's the wrong mountain that doesn't bring any fulfillment and just leaves you empty. Sometimes people fail and don't make it up the mountain and that's a terrible feeling, but the worst feeling is to be successful and to reach that goal, to get to the top of that mountain that you're always striving for, and you thought, if I could just get to the top of the mountain, then everything's gonna be great, and you get there, and there's an emptiness in that success, and you realize what you needed was not success. What you needed was significance and know that your life matters, and you climbed the wrong mountain, and you made it to the top, that's the worst feeling of all. What do you do from there? You made it to the top. You've achieved your lifelong goal, but it was the wrong mountain. Jesus put it this way. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? He's saying, what does it profit you to make it to the top of the mountain and lose your marriage? What does it profit you to make a mountain of money but lose your integrity? What does it profit you to make it to the top of the mountain of success, but lose your eternal soul. We need to be careful what mountains we're climbing. You see, if you follow God with all your heart, God is a mountain made just for you. You don't make up your mountain. 
God puts it in your heart. God tells you, this is your mountain. God puts your name on that mountain, and in the darkest times of Caleb's life, he held on to that promise. And I'm sure there were days in the desert that that's all he had to hold on to was a promise. He probably wondered at times, will I ever see my mountain again? But then he would remember the promise, and he would hold on to the promise. The desert wasn't his destiny. Because of that promise, even though it looked like he was going to die in the desert, he knew the desert wasn't his destiny. And I say that today because somebody needs to hear that. The desert is not your destiny. It's not God's plan that you die in the desert. The desert is not your destiny. It, it may be part of God's plan for your life. It's preparing you for your destiny. But God's not going to leave you in the desert. He promised Caleb, I'm going to take you through the desert. And if you're in the desert right now, in some area of your life, you needed to hear that. The desert is not your destiny. God is moving you to your mountain and you need to hold on to God's promises. And that's why every morning we're gonna have a promise from God. There are over 7,000 in scripture. And you began to know them and learn them and, and, and live them and claim them. Look at verse 11. Caleb said, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. What positive faith. I love that. He's going, hey, I'm 85, but I'm ready for the greatest challenge of my life. I mean, that was positive faith. And this is really important because we need to speak in positive faith, claiming God's promises. And because those with a desert-dwelling mentality, I don't think God wanted them to die in the desert. He wanted them to get to their mountaintop too. But they complained and they grumbled and God says, that's the sin of unbelief. And that's a, a really destructive sin, the sin of unbelief. They were basically saying, God, we don't think you're bigger than the Anakites. I mean, you, you can't handle that. God, we don't think you can get us to the mountaintop. You're not strong enough for that. God, I don't think you care enough to really know what I'm going through and to get me out of this desert into the mountaintop. It was their sin of unbelief that caused them to die in the desert. And God doesn't want you to die in the desert. That's not his destiny for you. God wants you to speak in faith, and, and this is not denying reality. It's not saying there's no giants that you're facing. The Anakites were a tribe that built these huge walled cities, and they were huge warriors. But God was greater than the giants. You see, faith is not denying reality. It's just recognizing that God is greater than those giants. It's not saying there's no problems out there. It's saying God is bigger than my problem. And you can say, God, I don't like what's going on. In fact, I hate what's happening right now. I don't see what you're doing. It makes no sense to me. I don't even feel you near, but I know you've promised me you're going to bring me through the desert. You're going to bring me through the valley to the mountaintop. And I claim that promise. That's what speaking in faith is. God, even though I don't feel it, even though I can't see it, I believe in you. And I trust you. And your name and your promises and your promises will never fail. That's what Caleb held on to those 45 years as he wandered through the desert at no fault of his own. He held on to the promise of God. And I love how that he had this positive faith where he was saying, I'm not gonna get in my comfort zone because one of the biggest reasons why we don't make it to the mountaintop is because we get comfortable. And God never intended for you to be comfortable. The comfort zone is the death zone for a Christ follower. And God says, I want you to make it to the mountaintop. Don't ever get comfortable. You weren't, you weren't made to live a comfortable life. You were made to live a passionate life, taking steps of faith and risking faith, being fully alive. That's God's plan. 
But whenever you start to get comfortable, a lot of times God allows us to go into the desert. He pushes us into the desert to push us out of our comfort zone and into our calling. He says, I'm 85 years old and I'm looking for the greatest challenge of my life because my God is great. And I want you to know, Chris and I are looking for the greatest challenges, the greatest mountain of our life. We believe God is getting ready to do the greatest, most powerful, life-changing things he's ever done in our lives. And we're looking forward to that. The greatest challenges are ahead. I don't want to just think about what God did 25 years ago in my life. I don't want to think about what God did five months ago in my life. I want God to do something new and fresh today to show his great power in my life. I want God to do something new and fresh this year in my life, in my heart, in my marriage, in my family. And Woodland Church, I need to warn you. We have been thanking God for all that he's done over these 25 years. We could never thank him enough. God is just a miracle-working God. That's why this church is here. And he deserves all the credit. But God has told us, hey, I wanna do greater things than I've ever done through Woodlands Church. So get ready for the greatest challenges. So if you're thinking about joining Woodlands Church to be comfortable, I'm telling you, as long as Chris and I are the pastors, we're gonna challenge you to step out in faith in a greater way than you've ever stepped out so you can experience God and his miracles on the mountaintop like you've never experienced. Get ready for the greatest move of God in your life and in our church as we face the greatest challenges we've ever faced to change this world. And God can do it through his power. So don't, don't join Will and Church if you want to be comfortable. Join Will and Church if you want God to work in your life. I'm going to always push you out of your comfort zone and challenge you to take that next step, to climb that mountain with God's power. And that brings me to I have to hold on to God's power. You hold on to God's promise, but you have to have God's power. You can't do it on your own. That's why we get so bogged down. We're trying to do it with our own willpower rather than God's power. In verse 12, Caleb says, now, therefore, give me that mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Caleb was saying to Joshua, you know God gave you that mountain, so give me that mountain. But really, he was speaking to the one who had the ultimate authority, God. He was saying, God, give me my mountain you promised me. What a great prayer. God, give me my mountain that you promised me. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? God, give me that mountain that I've never been able to conquer. God, this year, give me that mountain I've never been able to get to the top of. God, give me that mountain that's always been a barrier. God, give me that mountain that's always been your purpose for my life. You ever prayed such an audacious prayer, a bold prayer, God, give me my mountain? I, I love that. God, give me my mountain, you promised. And he goes on to say, the end of the verse, you will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So he says, with God's power, I'm gonna drive out those Anakites. They're still there because no one's dealt with them. But I'm gonna drive them out, and it's gonna be a fight. Now you have to understand, when you have God's power, there's still a fight. You see, God gave him the mountain, but he had to take steps of faith to take the mountain. He had to take a step of faith, and God gave him the power to overcome the Anakites. God did that through his power, but he had to take a step of faith. And by the way, simple doesn't mean easy. We think simple means easy, but effortless means easy. Simple just means it's not complicated. Simple means profound power. 
but it's not easy. He said, there's a fight, and some of you, you wanna make it to the top of the mountain in your marriage, but, but it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be a lot of hard work. There's gonna be a lot of pain. There's gonna be a lot of you know, communication and connection that's gonna be difficult. There's gonna be honesty that's painful. There's gonna be a lot of hard work and digging in, and, but you can make it to the top of the mountain with God's power if you'll keep taking steps of faith. And it's not a leap of faith, that's the thing. You take a step of faith and God gives you his power to defeat an Anakite. Then you take another step and he gives you his power to take the next bit of ground. God gave him the mountain, but he still had to take it with God's power. Not your own power, with God's power. And so it's not a struggle and fear, it's a step of faith. You take a step of faith and you obey God and he gives you the power to take that next ground that he's already said is yours. It's gonna be a fight. There may be a fight. It may be one of the most difficult years you've ever had, but you're gonna make it to the top of the mountain. It's gonna be one of the most glorious years you've ever had with God's power because God has promised you that mountain and now you gotta take it one step at a time in faith with his power because you can't make it up the mountain in your own strength. Every day I come to the place where I say, God, I can't do this. I give up, I need your power, and he goes, great, I've been waiting for that, and then he gives me the strength to make it the next step of faith, and the next step of faith, and the next step of faith. It's all God's power. But I want us to get back to that prayer, God, give me my mountain. That's a simple prayer, God, give me my mountain. Of all the things I've talked about today, let's boil it down to one thing, God, give me my mountain. Do you have the audacity and faith to pray for the God who made the mountains to give you the mountain? What is your mountain? Would you just write it in that blank there? That little drawing of the mountain range, would you just write that in right now? And I want you to save this sermon outline and I want you to keep it in your desk drawer or keep it on your refrigerator, keep it somewhere where you're not gonna lose it, keep it this year so you'll be reminded of the mountain. Somehow you'll be reminded of that mountain and you'll come back to that and you'll keep praying, God, give me that mountain that you promised to give me. God, give me that mountain. This is the year. I'm gonna take steps of faith. Take me from the desert to my destiny. Take me from the valley to the mountaintop with your power for your glory. God, give me my mountain. And some of you are going, I can't really narrow it down to one because I feel like those early frontiersmen when they came to the Rocky Mountains for the first time and they thought, wow, I thought this was gonna be easy. I can't even see the end of this mountain range. But I'm asking you to take it down to the one main mountain. Maybe you feel like you got a lot of mountains you're facing right now. Let's get to that one mountain because then everything else starts falling in place. They go, what is that mountain that you want me to take this year? What is that obstacle? What is that dream? And write it down and then have the audacity and faith to pray, God who made the mountains, help me take that mountain with your power and your glory. Let's pray together. Lord, I know that there are many within the sound of my voice who are going through pain and problems, and, and they're in the desert, Lord, of no choice of their own. And then there are others who are in the desert, Lord, because they've chosen to walk away from you, and they find themselves in the desert. Lord, you, you love us all just the same, and, and you want to use that desert to give us some destiny lessons to take us to our destiny, because the desert is not our destiny. I pray that you would remind everyone of that right now, 
and that you, Lord Jesus, would fill them with hope and that you would give us your power to take that mountain that you've placed in front of us. Lord, we can only do it with your power and your strength. And I pray for those, Lord, who have never received you. I know that there's some who are trying to make it up the mountain of perfection to get to heaven one day by their good works. And, and Lord, we know that we could never make it to the mountain of your perfection. We all have a backpack full of regrets and sins and mistakes. But I thank you that you came down from the mountain, from the top of that mountain of perfection in heaven, and you came down to us. And when you died on that cross, now we don't have to go up to the top of the mountain. All we have to do is lay our backpack of regrets and sins at the foot of the cross. And we thank you for that, Lord. And then you can take us to the top of the mountain. And I pray for those who have never done that, that right now they would just hear you speak to their heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that they would pray this prayer silently to you. Jesus Christ, I give up. I can't make it to the top of the mountain of perfection. I can't get to heaven on my own. So I come to the foot of the cross, and I accept your free gift of forgiveness of all my sins. I ask you to come into my life through your Holy Spirit and I ask you to take me to the top of the mountain. One day, you're taking me to heaven. Thank you for saving me. Help me grow as a Christ follower. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's going through that desert and all they can feel is the heat and the pain and the hurt, that you would just let them know that you love them, that you would let them know that you have a future for them, and that, Lord, if they'll rest in you, then you can carry them up that mountain. I thank you for what you're gonna do and all the miracles on the mountaintop that you're gonna bring about this year. We claim that in your name, Jesus, amen. Let's thank the Lord for who he is and praise him right now. Just, just thank the Lord Jesus because in faith, you're gonna take that mountain. And now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God and we praise him, we worship him, we learn from his word, and then we give to him out of worship. So as you give, I really encourage you to get the year started right by putting God first in your finances, and he'll bless the rest. You can't outgive God. And there are a lot of ways to give. You can give through our Push Pay app and give on your phone, and you can give through our online giving. You can give, you know, cash or check. There are a lot of ways to give, but just make it consistent and give and put God first, and then pray that God multiplies it, because I'm telling you, we're stepping out in faith more than ever to meet the needs of the hurting and the hopeless and the poor and the powerless and to make a difference through over 100 ministries and missions. So let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts even now. Maybe as you give, open your heart to him and let him speak to your heart maybe about the mountain that you're facing. Lord, I pray that as we commit to you the first, that you would bless and strengthen us and you would multiply it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.